Hey, it's Dr. Michael Rich, the mediatrician. I'm a practicing pediatrician, child health researcher, and a lifelong filmmaker who understands how powerfully screens can engage and change us. As a doctor who takes care of kids every day, I see many of them who are struggling with their screen use and whose parents are worried and concerned that's affecting their health in physical, mental, and social ways. So what I'm trying to do for you is to bring my two worlds together to really understand how to raise healthy, happy, productive children in a world filled with digital screens. Mediatrics educator, Christelle Lavalley, joins me here each week to address your questions. Yes, I happily do. Thanks, Michael. And this week, we heard from Cindy, a mom in Orlando, Florida, who says, My son is 15 and displays symptoms of video game addiction, including lying and sneaking to try to gain access. He has Asperger's and ADHD, and regardless of what medication or regimen we try, the gaming obsession remains. I recently asked the psychiatrist to hospitalize him and treat him as they would other addicts, but they just changed his meds. Anyway, even if he were treated, he needs the computer for school. Do you have any advice for me? So thank you, Cindy, so much for sharing what you're going through. You definitely came to the right place. Mediatrician, what advice can we give to Cindy? Unfortunately, more and more families share your story, Cindy. I'm having kids show up with sleep deprivation, anxiety, social isolation, and find that they're struggling with problematic interactive media use of not just gaming, but sometimes of social media, pornography, even video binging with endless YouTube videos. We're not calling it an addiction, even though it feels as impairing as an addiction, for a couple of reasons. One is it's not medically accurate in the sense that you're not physiologically changed either when using or withdrawing. You're certainly behaviorally changed, but not physiologically. But most importantly, as a pediatrician, I'm concerned about the stigma of the word addiction. Um, And what that does, interestingly, is it keeps parents from bringing their children who are having troubles with this to medical care as early as they could. Is that because they're embarrassed? Because their child, they don't want their child to be seen as, you know, an addict? It's partly that. Uh-huh. It's partly that they're embarrassed, that they feel guilty and responsible for it. But I think it's largely that we think of addicts as junkies in a shooting gallery or bums on Skid Row, not our 10-year-old who's throwing a hissy fit because he has to stop playing Fortnite and go to bed. Yeah, that's um, a good so point. <laughs> they don't get to us early enough. But... Their families are really disrupted by this. The kids are not sleeping. They're not getting up in the morning to go to school. Some of them are dropping out of school. And what's interesting in Cindy's case is that our clinical experience and research has shown us that young people with ADHD, with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, may actually be more susceptible to PIMU, problematic interactive media use, with video games or social media. And very early research has shown us that adolescents who use social media compulsively may be at higher risk of developing ADHD or ADHD-like behaviors. And part of why it's so hard for Cindy to get good treatment is we in the medical community are behind on this issue that is so present in society and in many homes. In fact, 
the most recent version of the psychiatric diagnostic manual lists internet gaming disorder, but says it needs more research before they will define it as a diagnosis. The World Health Organization, just in 2018, um, decided that gaming disorder was a diagnosis, but that is yet to really penetrate medical practice and, more importantly, medical training. So, a lot of doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, school guidance counselors really have no training in it and no, do not know how to respond to it. Okay, so that actually makes a lot of sense when we're thinking about this question and what Cindy is going through, because it sounds like Cindy has already set up her son in some sort of psychiatric care. Yes, and she should keep working with mental health professionals, but she should also recognize that we in the medical community are very early in recognizing and certainly in developing effective treatments for this. She should talk to her son's providers and make sure that they are able to recognize and respect the power of gaming or PIMU-specific problems that he's having. So she's really going to have to advocate for her son's actual problems here when she goes to CDs. Absolutely. The squeaky wheel gets the grease always, right? So she has to be very proactive and help them help her son. Um, And one of the things that's very interesting is that computers or interactive media are used in many ways as educational or therapeutic workarounds for young people with ADHD or with Asperger's syndrome, of which her son has both. Um, In other words, if you think about it, ADHD is easy distractibility and hyperactivity as a result. The computer environment is much more controlled, much more circumscribed. They know what they need to do. And in fact, it's a place of relative mastery for these kids. That makes sense, yeah. And, And so they go to it because they feel good there. They feel accomplished there, where they feel confused and out of control in the chaos of a classroom. The same thing with Asperger's syndrome, where one of the hallmarks is a difficulty in reading social cues, sort of emotional tone deafness, if you will. And so in that environment, which is much more stylized and simplified, they are able to succeed better. They can read it. They can read that environment. Exactly. Um, And they can practice reading it over and over and over again, whereas real life is endlessly variable. Um, So what we are seeing in treatment in the clinic that we have for kids with interactive media and internet disorders is that essentially all of them to date have some underlying disorder that we already understand that is only expressing itself for the first time possibly or in this severity in the interactive media environment. And so if we can identify and treat that underlying condition with therapy and or medication, and that is optimized, then we are doing a lot better for these kids. That makes sense. So we know that Cindy has to be the squeaky wheel here. Um, and and kind of work with her son's doctors and, and let them know what's going on. And hopefully they'll get some guidance in the clinical sphere, just as you were suggesting. But what can Cindy do at home? What can she do for her son that can maybe help support that clinical care or, you know, um, accentuate it in some way? What, what can she do? Well, she can do many of the things that every parent can do um, with children who are not necessarily having severe problems but are struggling with how to learn it. First of all, Use those media with her kid. 
with, sit yep, down next so to important. him and, and, and play the game with him rather than getting annoyed by him playing the game. Um, move his computer and his internet access into a public space, a shared space. What do you mean by a public her. or shared space? Instead <laughs> of going into his room, his bedroom with his computer, have it on the dining room table. Oh, so like where family traffic happens. Absolutely. Family traffic. Gotcha. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> this is not to surveil him or monitor him so much as to be present with him when, when he's using it. Um, parents often say, tell me some hardware that will protect my child from this. And I yeah, say, we get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I say the best hardware is your dining room table. Hmm. And we've already got it. <laughs> the best software. Already there. And the best software is between your kids' ears. I would love that. Right. Yeah. So you're you're giving him the tools to self-regulate, which is really the issue here. And that's another actually another difference from addiction, which is hmm. in addictions to heroin, to alcohol, to tobacco, the solution is abstinence ultimately. Right. Yeah. In this case, they can't abstain from the internet, interactive media world, the electronic world. Yeah, Cindy they noted that in her question. They have to function it in school and in work, et cetera. So the goal is not abstinence, but self-regulation. Much, much harder. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> Self-control. Yeah, absolutely. So if she can create an environment in the home that is conducive to him using these media in public spaces, sharing them back and forth, having them be part of the family discourse, it makes it a lot easier and makes it harder for him to dive into these worlds and disappear. Mm. Um, now, here's the other thing you got to do. You don't say no, you say yes. In other words, we don't say stop playing that game. Because they're not going to listen to that. <laughs> right. You're saying, here's something even cooler you could do. So I've had really good luck with giving diverse activities for the kid that are really cool. Some things that have been, um, you know, really good are things that have clear goals and are achievable clear goals so that they are competitive and they grab that competitive instinct that is driving him into the games. Also, if they're a little outrageous and a little (laughs) worrisome to mom, they're even better. So things like parkour. Oh, that's really good. Okay, a n- rock climbing, you know, a rock gym. Yeah, um, martial arts is is really good. Not only because it's a little outrageous and it's very competitive, and it gets his yayas out, his physical yayas <laughs> out. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but it also <laughs> entails mindfulness, discipline, and focus. Oh my god! I don't know if you know this, but I actually am a karate kid. I <laughs> wax on. Yeah. <laughs> My mom put me in lessons, so I can definitely speak to kind of the mindfulness aspect that you're referring to, and that self-discipline. So should I be afraid of you is the question. <laughs> yes. <absolutely. laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean, I can I can tell you, even when I start to feel like it doesn't happen very often, but when I start to feel really angry, my sensei's voice comes back to me. And I just hear him talking about breathing and those breathing exercises that I learned as a kid. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it, it recenters me still. And that was years ago that I took those lessons. Well, this is, this is why I use martial arts often as a metaphor for what we're doing when we're trying to treat these kids with Paimu, which is we're yeah, not so. trying to stop that energy in its tracks, 
but to redirect it in another huh. direction. Yeah. To respect it, care about it, understand it, but point it toward things that make them better. Another thing that can do this is nature. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, nature. Yes. <laughs> Let's yeah. get them out there. Right. Um, it, nature has two great aspects here. One is that it is calming and centering, but the other is it's implacable. Mm. It doesn't give an inch. So if you do the wrong thing, if you don't put your tent up, you get wet. Oh, yeah. Right? And, <laughs> Been and there so, camping. <laughs> and, and you're there by yourself or you know with others, but you are responsible for yourself. So what happens with a lot of these kids is that they are unable to really know themselves and to know their own strengths and their own confidence. So I've actually found that with some kids who have not done well with outpatient treatment, as in therapy, medication, um, that wilderness therapy, putting on a backpack. Yeah, what does that mean? It's putting on a backpack and hiking into the mountains or the desert or the woods with a therapist and basically rebuilding yourself from the inside out in an unwired environment. Wow. In other words, because a lot of these kids feel completely lost when they can't get online. And so... One of the options for Cindy's son might be to a wilderness therapy. Do wilderness therapy yeah. with a, a reputable place. Unfortunately, just like with Paimu, this is not yet part of the common medical practice or the common medical parlance. So oftentimes these things need to be worked so that they can get paid for. And, and unfortunately, many times insurance companies will not pay for wilderness therapy. Well, Maybe Cindy can take her son out on a camping trip too. Just get him out there, get him into nature, do something, do something like that, Cindy. And and thank you so much for sharing your question with us. Please follow up with us and let us know how your son's gaming is going. And for everyone else out there, you can find links to all of our resources at askthemediatrician.org, including the Clinic for Interactive Media and Internet Disorders, which Michael leads at Boston Children's Hospital. Remember that you can connect with our mediatrician on Twitter at mediatrician, and you can submit your own question, which we'll answer for you at askthemediatrician.org. And finally, make sure you subscribe and share this podcast. Enjoy your media and use them wisely. And enjoy your kids and raise them wisely. Ask the Mediatrician is hosted by Dr. Michael Rich. Joined by mediatrics educator Christelle Lavallee. Jill R. Cavanaugh is our Chief Knowledge Officer. Original music composed by Christopher Cerf. Podcast and music recorded, mixed, and edited at Saturn Sound Studios. Executive producer, Alicia Haywood. Music